If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you have barrel racing horses. Assuming you have barrel racing horses, I'm guessing you have more than one. And assuming you have more than one, I'm also assuming you have a lot of barrel racing tack. Also assuming that said tack, you probably have a lot of barrel racing bits and training bits. I often get messages and comments about bits, asking questions about how, what, when, where, and why to use it. And I can say that I know a lot about the bits that I use. But let me strongly clarify, I am not a bit expert. And as we all know, there's probably hundreds if not thousands of bits out there and a lot of really good bit makers. But talk about overwhelming. Recently I got out my Google machine and I went on a hunt, searching for some answers. Not only the answers to your questions, but to my own that have been lurking in my brain my whole life. Who do you ask? Is that person a good source? Will their feedback work for you? And if it doesn't, can you reach out again? And that's when I found Charlotte with JNC Bits. She was right off the bat my kind of gal. She's a very open book, transparent, no filter, and no BS. She's got a heart of gold and started their business with a stellar background to fuel her drive for what she does. In the first two minutes of chatting with her, I knew the good Lord put her in my path for this episode. One of the many perks of recording is that it's live. You get what you get. In this episode, we have our very first intervention from my recording assistant, my 13 and a half year old dog, Callie. Not only does she lay next to me every episode that I'm recording, but she usually farts her way through them. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. Real life here, folks. Anyways, she makes her first appearance in the middle of this great conversation, and I felt no reason to edit her out. I mean, she's old, she's deaf, she's a great dog, and Charlotte and I had a great conversation flowing. So why ruin a good thing, right? From my newly cleaned out recording closet, I'm Amy Davenport, and this is the Barrel Horse Life Podcast. Today's episode, Charlotte Overton with JNC Bits. Right after the break. This podcast is brought to you by WOCO, a weight loss and performance training program for Western women designed to help you reach your goals inside and outside of the arena. To find out if you are a good fit for the program, go to WOCO.com. When I went through Jamie's program myself, I gained way more than I bargained for. In our first session together, she asked me, what's your goal? I said back, I just want to fit back into my gosh dang pants again, and that's no joke. Not only can I fit back into those pants, but I had to go buy all new ones because they're all too big. Yes! Jamie taught me that my body needs carbs, which I love. And I need to listen to my hunger cues and be prepared to feed them. And always have an emergency dinner in the freezer for those long days when you fail at life and you don't want to fail at dinner. Jamie's a registered dietitian and an accomplished 1D barrel racer, so she totally gets it. Go to woco.com and use code Amy10, that's W-H-O-A-A-C-O.com and use my code for any service. 
Hey guys, it's Amy. I want to tell you a little something. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you have horses. Maybe not barrel racing horses. You might just have a backyard pet. But either way, they're our best friends. And performance horses are athletes, and we ask a lot of them. Draw It Out is an all-natural topical liniment that removes heat, inflammation, and soreness anywhere on your horse's body. You can put it under wraps, saddle pads, even blankets. I mean, there's nothing on the market that's like this. It's completely safe, 100% natural, and it's super convenient to use. I keep it in the barn, in the trailer. Heck, I even keep it in the house. Their deep penetrating formula is completely sensation free. So it goes on your horses gently with zero heating, zero cooling, and no tingling effects. You guys, that means there's no burns and no blistering with this products on our best friends. That's huge. I never leave home without their concentrate spray and gel. And in the summertime, their citrocrine bug spray is the real deal. It actually works. Their new master mud poultice and ice bath are essential when competing and hauling down the road. Truly, keeping down as much inflammation as possible is key to the 1D. Click your way on over to LonePrairiePHS.com, that's LonePrairiePHS.com, and enter code AMY10 in the checkout. Let's keep our animals competing at the top of their game. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I'll let you take the reins on this and tell everybody about yourself and how y'all got started. Okay. My name is Charlotte Overton, and I am the C in the J and C bits. Um, My fiancé, Jason Pinnergast, is the J. Uh, I've been riding horses pretty much all of my life. Um, Pretty much you could say that I was born on a horse. Uh, My mother was a Texas Circuit qualifier several times. She was a Ram Dodge Circuit qualifier. She rodeoed. She trained barrel horses. We bred horses. Uh, My dad has trained barrel horses. Uh, He ropes. My stepmother, who's married to my dad now, trained barrel horses. So basically, I was indoctrinated into the barrel horse uh, community and probably raised on a barrel horse. So um, I started my training career early. Uh, I started, I think I took my first horse to the BFA that I trained back in 1990. So I was about 13 or 14 years old. Um, and, and I, uh, I pretty much just kind of fell into training horses. My first good horse that most everybody knows was Orange Smash. Uh, mm-hmm. You might have seen him at the NFR with Martha Josie. Mm-hmm. I won the BFA World Championships in 1994 on him. Um, I won about seventy to 80000 on him, and that's before any kind of slot races. Um, I won reserve champion in the Derby on him at Old Fort Days. So he kind of boosted my training career. And the reason why I'm saying all that is, is this is all kind of laid the foundation for what I know about bits and talking to people, my own experiences. And, uh, you know, my lifetime earnings is somewhere around 300, 400,000. Uh, I rodeoed some, but it was just never, uh, on my plate to go rodeo full time. It just didn't suit me because the variables changed so much, and it just wasn't my forte. I, I, I just kind of fell into fraternity training, and I just kind of stayed there because it's easy to travel. You don't have to be gone and live like a carny. 
Yeah, um, for sure. I, I really envy those girls, um, and I have a lot of respect for those girls that can go rodeo year after year after year. So basically what my goal was is to train on those rodeo horses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. So, I, you know, I never did make a bid. I never did try to go the NFR. I've had some really, really nice horses that probably could, but it just wasn't in the cards uh, for me to go. And, and I really haven't made it a priority. <clears throat> um, I'm also a tax accountant. I've done taxes forever. I also own my own tax and bookkeeping and payroll business. Uh, I started that last year along with the bits. So I stay pretty busy with that as well. Uh, Jason is a, he's always been in aggregates, meaning copper, sand, um, mining like that. So he knows the ins and outs about big corporations because he's ran for big corporations. He knows business, has a lot of good business sense. He's also welded for over 20 years. And I just call him the genius behind uh, our bits. Mm -hmm. Because if I say, well, I want this to look like this and I need this feel, he goes and makes my dream come true. And so... You know, we kind of started with a horse, and he needed a different kind of bit because he was real. He was a big old Shawnee Bug Leo. He was real heavy and muscular. And at the time, I didn't know anything about mouthpiece wits. So I didn't know because this horse had a pretty big face, and I had no idea about that because that is not something that we talk about as trainers. It's not something that I've ever heard from the old-timers. Um, if they said anything, I probably didn't listen to it or, or make it a priority. We just stuck bits on our horses, didn't matter what size they were. And I found since starting the barrel horse bit business or the bit business, not just barrel horses, uh, that this is very important. And it's an easy fix, a lot of horses that I've had. Well, getting back to that horse, he was real heavy. But if you put a large enough bit on him that had the control that I needed, he would get real ultra sensitive and start fighting and get really resentful of that bit. If you put something too light, he would just get real, he would run off and and just kind of do what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I had an order with a bit maker and it'd been on order for months and months for some bits that I thought would work. And so Jason just said, here, I've got the equipment here. Uh, What do you need? And I told him, this is what I need it to feel like. And he went and the leverage bit was born. So, and, and we wanted a lot of different options because we realized that there's a lot of people with different hands and different feel, they ride different. And so we offered that leverage bit in so many different ways. Um, we, we saw a need in the industry, a more customer service driven based bit company, somebody that understood barrel racing had done it themselves understood problem horses, knew how to think outside the box to help these people. And so JC Bits was born last year. Since you found a need for that, um, do, how many bits do you guys have in your line? Do you, are you still coming out and making new bits all the time, or do you guys have yes. like a pretty good foundation to fit most of your needs? Well, you know, there's always a need for a new, new exciting bit, and, and we listen to our customers You know, customers, and we make custom bits, and a lot of those custom bits will turn out to be bits that we sell. You know, we have a very extensive sponsor team. They test our bits out before we release them. They let us know what they like, what they don't like about it. Um, 
Um, so we have an extensive, you know, R&D team, and that's the reason why we have those girls on our team, because they have the ability. I don't train for the public anymore, so I don't have a bunch of horses to go throw it on. So what we do is we will send these bits out to our our sponsor team and say, here, test it, see what you think about this. And then they let us know, yes, we like this. Yes, we love it. No, it's kind of just sat there. It didn't really work for me. And that's okay because some of them, it works really good. And some of them, it doesn't, they don't like it. And, and like I said, we offer a lot of options. You know, we have O-rings, we have our DD bit that is an O-ring. Jamie Hunt and them absolutely love it. It's not for everyone. Uh, and we know that um, leverage bits, they kind of work, you know, for me. But like I said, that leverage bit can be offered in so many different options that it kind of is a generalized thing. But we have combos. We have hackamores, you know, KK rule. And uh, my neighbor down the road, Candace Smith, came up with the KK, the K2 hackamore because we were looking for a good hackamore because every company should have a good hackamore. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are horses that just will not go in bits and just do not seem comfortable in them. And so, yes, we're all, uh, we're, you know, we've got our own version of what they call the banana gag. We're, we're going to call it the plantain because I don't want to call it the banana gag because yeah. that's been used. So, you know, the plantain is a cooking banana. So that's what we came up to call it. Um, there's a sliding gag that's going to come out um, that a friend of mine who I send uh, the premier horse, Taisha Wilson, I send her bits to give away. Uh, because she's helped me with a lot of marketing stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm always looking for new and exciting bits that I think will function. The first rule of thumb is we don't just come out with a bit and go here. What we do is we extensively test that bit and make sure that it functions to the way that we think it will. Mm-hmm. We don't just come out with a design. There is a specific method. There's a specific testing We want it to be comfortable for your horse, and we want it to function in the way that it's designed to function. Perfect. So let's start off with some barrel racing bits 101. What are some basics that you want every horse owner to understand about barrel racing, or just really bits in general? Well, I can't stress it enough, and it's not just my bits. And the reason why we offer the different mouthpiece bits is because that is so important. Um, In starting this, I used a lot of my knowledge base and what I've learned and how I've trained and talking to other riders and trainers and horsemen or whoever, you know, that my knowledge base is. But in starting the barrel horse bit business, I noticed something and, and and I had a girl, Katie Miller, she brought me this horse to Cleburne, Texas. And she told me, she had called me, she said, I am at the wit's end. She said, I've spent thousands of dollars on bits trying to bit this horse up. She said, and she sent me a couple of videos of him. And in watching this, this horse would look, he, he would run like the, the horse that I was describing the leverage bit came into play for, mm-hmm. is he would be overreactive or then very dull. And so in doing that and in more research, I started reading a lot of books Well, let me tell you, there isn't very many books and very many knowledge base out there for your beginner green person that doesn't know anything about barrel racing bits. And you'd be surprised how many professionals and trainers don't know that much about bits. They just stick something on because so-and-so said it would work. And that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, it's trial by error on a lot of different horses. 
and I've done the same thing and learned that and I really studied functionality on bits and how they work and how they feel and what it feels to my horse you know those are the details the devil is in the details so going back to the mouthpiece with you'd be surprised and I didn't think well this cannot be that easy to fix these horses but I will tell you it is that easy that mouthpiece width is everything especially on a twisted bit because if it's too big that twist or that mouthpiece is going to hit the corners of your horse's mouth and that's why people seem to get the sensitive the overreaction and stuff like that and if it's too small it will pinch the corners of their mouth and you think well it'll pinch on the inside but it's actually on the outside of a barrel that it pinches so you get reactions of being stiff and they won't keep that shoulder held up and they start diving at the barrels well the reason is is because it's pinching them on the outside and they're trying to straighten up to get away from that pressure on their face so these are the kind of things that where whether you're looking at my bit or anybody else's bit you need to be aware of and know what size your horse wears now with that being said how do i know if a bit fits here's how you know you want to make sure that the corners of your horse's mouth at resting while that bit sits in their mouth properly fitted is that you cannot see the mouthpiece at all coming out of the corners of their mouth and you cannot see the corners of their mouth at all over to where it ties into the bit that's how you tell if your bit fits or if it doesn't fit and what i see and have a lot of girls that really send to me because everybody always asks me the next question and i can almost I can bet money on it. Here's the next question. I go, well, what size mouthpiece do you want? Well, what's the average? <laughs> okay, well, here's the average. There's not one. Horses' faces are like people's feet. They're very different. You know, I got big, wide, cripple, crippled feet. You know, I've always wanted to wear those cute little boots, you know, with the pointy toes. It's well, impossible. Well, I can't because I, I'd be crippled. Well, it's the same thing with horses' mouths. That's why it's so important. Now, granted, most horses fall between a five and a five and a quarter. What I see a lot of barrel racers doing is they've got a horse that has a five and a quarter mouth, and they're trying to stick a five-inch bit on their horse's face, which means that the bit is too small, and it's pinching them on the outside, causing uh, bad reactions to their horse. And, you know, horses... Are trying to get away from pressure because that's how they learn pressure and release so when you stick too small of a bit on a horse you're going to get those kind of reactions and at first i thought well it can't be that easy until we helped katie fix her horse because this horse had a massive face he's huge he was a big old horse and it doesn't even matter on the size of your horse i've had horses that are 16 one and they measure five they measure four and a half that's our pony sizes and i've had horses that are 14 two and they'll measure a five and a half mouthpiece so it has no it has to do with the palate and a lot of horses will have fat lips which means that their corners stick out first or further than anything so to me when you're looking at any bit you got to make sure that it fits your horse's mouth because if it doesn't you need to get it off your horse especially if it has and this is the thing one other thing i like twisted mouthpieces but it's kind of it was i'm getting away from them because you've got to make darn sure that that twisted mouthpiece fits properly uh because that twist can be very harsh on the sensitive corners of a horse's mouth 
Mm-hmm. So that's very important. And I also I also learned from my equine dentist that uh, I took my bit into my dentist appointment with me. And he said, actually, you need to switch from a twisted wire to a smooth. The style of bit is fine, but the purpose is because they have the pouchy flesh. And it was mm-hmm. actually pinching up against his teeth, you know, and technology yes. keeps changing with that as well. I've, and this, this all just fascinated me so much. And had I never known, literally just changed that from a twisted to a smooth, boom, instant. The minute I put it on him, loped him off, perfect. He quit throwing his head immediately. Yes. Well, and that's why I have gotten away from twisted mouthpieces. Yes, we offer a great twisted mouthpiece, but I'll tell you why I've gotten away from twisted mouthpieces a lot. One, because I think they're pretty harsh in in any hands. I prefer the hexagon because they, and especially our large hexagon, because here's the thing, you can ride those a little big. And you can get away with it because it's not so, it doesn't hit the corners of their mouth so hard. Mm-hmm. Because the hexagon, it, especially the large hexagon, it's 5 sixteenths. So it's the size of a smooth. But as you well know, horses kind of get to running through those smooth mouthpieces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's eight-sided. So it's, it's got those ridges. And they're not sharp at all. Uh, it's got those ridges. So it just keeps them respectful. But it doesn't get them resentful. Whereas I think some of the twisted will get a horse pretty resentful. And I also, and this is my theory, is I think we've put in so many ill-fitting bits on our horses with the twisted that we've also caused some scar tissue to form on some of these horses. Because I've looked at a few and seen extra flesh, extra fatty flesh on there. And I may be totally wrong. It just may be the way the horses are built. I'm sure. But I've also looked at a lot of horses that I've taken twists off, thrown a large hexagon on them. They ride off really nice. nice. So that supports my theory, what you're saying as well. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to what you said about trying to learn more about bits, over the years, I have tried my damnedest to try to do my own research and read lots of articles and forums and watch videos and learn about different styles of bits. And I don't care what the maker is so much, but learn what a reverse gag does and what a uh-huh. O-ring snaffle or what a, you know, there's hundreds of them out there. But the yes. basics of it, and it's hard and it can get very overwhelming. So uh, It can because you're just, you're, you know, I think why it gets so overwhelming is this. Because any kind of bit in any like you can talk to 10 different trainers you can give them the same bit and they'll all tell you the different things that they like or don't like about it yes and it's hard to cipher through that and see here's the thing you're working on people's knowledge basis and there's nothing wrong with that it just kind of depends on how it works for you and then that's what they're going off of because there's not really a standard You just kind of, and that's why you offer so many different kinds of bits like we do and so many different options, because you can't just offer like 10 bits and say, okay, here's our bit line, Uh, because they're not going to work for everyone, and they're not going to work for everyone and everyone's horse. You can't just, it's kind of like the standard mouthpiece of five and five and a quarter. It just not, this, we're with changing times, and when you're running in tenths or hundredths of a second, those details matter. 
So explain, explain how a two-piece works in a horse's mouth versus a three-piece. Does it work off the sides, tongue pressure, roof of the mouth, what? Well, long ago, and I'll, I'll tell you this, long ago, when I first started running barrels, I always did a three-piece. And the reason why I did a three-piece, and I'll use my experience and then I'll explain the, the, the question, sure. to, I mean, sure. the answer to you. Um, when I, when I did, a, I've always done a dog bone, and because way back when, the bits were never contoured to a horse's mouth. They just made them, and there's still a lot of bits today being made just straight across. No contour at all. Well, that goes against how the horse's mouth is, is structured. So, a horse's mouth is structured. It's not structured straight across. It kind of looks like a, you know, a a plateau it's kind of curvatured because when you look at a horse's tongue it kind of it kind of comes down to a peak uh, um like a a canyon not Mm -hmm. a canyon i don't even know how to explain it but it's soft and it's pliable and it needs something that kind of sits over it correctly and so the reason why a lot of people do the dog bones is because we all didn't have, when we first started running barrels, we didn't have contoured barrel racing bits. They were just straight across and here you go. And most of the time, the bits that we had back in the 70s and 80s, they were from other disciplines because nobody thought that barrel racing, that, you know, there wasn't no barrel racing industry. Yeah. So a lot of times I prom- I preferred a three-piece because a three-piece with no contouring is better to me than a two-piece. Now you fast forward to where we are now. There's a lot of bits that are very contoured to a horse's mouth. So when you look at it on a two-piece versus a three-piece, you're going to get a little more control with a two-piece that's just broken because it's going to, when you pull back, it's going to go in a v shape and you're going to kind of squeeze down on the bars which is the bottom part of a horse's jaw and so you're going to get a lot of reaction so if you've got a horse that's kind of dull and needs some control a two-piece is where you would like to go now what i prefer is is our crickets because the cricket to me one it it makes noise and and it's not just for people it's for the horses because those horses that have anxiety or get nervous, which is most all the horses that run barrels, that cricket makes noise, and our cricket is really loud, and so they can hear that, and it kind of just gives them something to think about, I think. So I've had a lot of people tell me, and I've had it happen too, because I have a foose, and he is a drama queen, and he has anxiety everywhere, and he will zing that cricket. And our crickets are wider, they're thicker, Um, they're made by a guy uh, who does like spade bits for us, and they're made 50-50, they're not made completely out of copper, because the copper is a soft metal and it will wear out. So you want to have something made with your cricket that doesn't wear out, because you don't want to replace that bit. I mean, maybe in 25 years our copper cricket will wear out, but... When you compare it to just straight copper rollers or crickets, mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's an A-plus quality on that. Not that I'm going to say anything bad about anybody else's makers because I always get I always get hammered by the other makers when I say stuff like this. Because <laughs> anyway, but I think that cricket just gives a horse something to do 
and and I prefer a three piece over a two piece any day unless I'm I'm trying to get more control on my horse. But we also have now come out. Jade Crego um, asked me to make the large hexagon in a four piece, whereas that looks like the um, the twisted dog bones that are attached together with no cricket. Um, and he loved it. He said it, it felt amazing. So we took a hexagon and we cut it up in four pieces. We tied it together and it was a large hexagon. We're not going to do a small because it's hard for my welders to do that, to do that. And when they get mad, I, nobody's happy around my house. So I have to keep my welders happy, but, um, it acts more what he told me was it acts more like a chain bit, but you get a little bit more control and maybe not the harshness on a chain. So we've got that four-piece large hexagon, too, that I'm pretty excited about as well. Now, I have never, me, I've only had barrel racing horses maybe 10 years, if that. I have never understood what is the purpose of using a chain bit versus an actual ported bit? Well, I think the chain bit, it lays a lot more flush. Um, For me, I've used it on horses that needed a lot more control. And maybe, like, I have a gray horse now. He's a foose. And that horse can kind of fold in half. So when I have a straight straight bit in there that is three-piece, he tends to get a little more bendy and kind of rolly around, and I can't keep him square. So what I did was I put that chain in a combo because the nose band is for squareness only. It's to get a horse squared up. And um, I put that chain on him because he can tend to get a little pushy against it. And I need that extra little bit of control. Um, the chain bit is nice, but you got to be real careful. If you're pretty handsy with the chain bit, it can be very severe. Uh, but to me, I think it lays real flush over the tongue. And I think you can get a lot of things accomplished with a chain bit on some horses versus just a regular and you know i like the chain bit on a lot of horses they got because they were ex-race horses and they know knew how to push their tongue against a bar of a bit because that's what they're trained to do and they tend to be more respectful to me of a chain bit can you explain what's the difference between a regular gag bit actually let's just start with that what is what is a gag bit and what what's the purpose of it gag bit is for shoulder control it's to get a horse really nice and round in his rib cage uh to get him where he's really kind of listen to you where he he'll give you his nose he'll give you his shoulder he'll leap with his nose he'll bend in half with the rib cage you know to me i'm not a big person that likes a lot of nose on a horse where i want a horse to really bend and break in the middle is their rib cage uh, because that's something that having a lot of nose and a lot of, you know, having a horse come to me with their nose, um, to me, that goes against their very instinct because you don't see a horse running out in the pasture with their nose bent around. Um, what you do see is you see a horse breaking over in the rib cage and turning around on the top of themselves. And so they're used to that instinctually. So what I really try to promote is a lot of roundness in my rib cage. And a gag bit just kind of helps start that. Um, and it's something that moves to me. It's not locked. It can move up and down. Now, you do not get a lot of control with a gag bit, uh, meaning stop, meaning whenever, you, you know, whenever you're lifting a horse, 
you know, that gag bit is going to move. And it, and it just promotes a lot of smoothness. And, you know, horses that might be a little more sensitive that don't need a lot of woe, your horses that are really, really um, scotchy and really wanting to turn and really wanting to get up underneath themselves and they don't need that control going into a turn and they don't want to dump over the front end and be, you know, that way, then a gag bit is the right one for you. Now take that and let's t- explain what a reverse gag is. Well, you know, there's been a lot of debate, and here, here's the thing. This. There's been a lot of debate over forward gags and reverse gags, and I'm just going to tell you, and I'm probably going to get in the middle of this S-storm right <laughs> in the middle. To me, there's no difference between a reverse gag and a, and a backwards gag, a, a regular gag. Uh, I think it offers the same functionality um, if, you, if you compare apples to apples. But understand when you compare apples to apples, you cannot compare a reverse gag that has a two-inch purchase to a gag bit that has is, is set in the middle of, of a bit, meaning you can't compare my leverage bits with my Ferrari bit. They don't function the same because you get quicker reaction. The reaction that people think they get, and then this is where people go wrong. This is where they go wrong, and I don't think there's any difference between a forward or a reverse gag at all. I think they both function the same as long as you are are you comparing apples to apples. Meaning you have to compare the same bit with the same bit. So if I put that gag bit that's on my leverage and I put it behind, it's going to function exactly the same way because that purchase is what you're getting and the quickness and the reaction. And I think people they get confused about where reaction time comes from. Reaction time comes from the purchase on your shank. Okay, so if you've got a longer gag that comes from behind and you compare that to a reverse gag on the same bit, they're both going to function exactly the same. And your reaction time are going to be exactly the same. I have people who send me pictures all the time and go, well, that looks like this this bit, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, that is exact. This is bit is no does not function <laughs> at all like that other bit uh, because of the way, where the bit is tied into the gag, where it's tied into the bit, how far the purchase is, how long the shank is. But to people, it looks the same. Mm-hmm. Just because it has a little port in it doesn't mean that it functions the same as somebody else's port. That is true. Well, that's so, a, that is a perfect segue to my next question was I wanted to talk about the purchase and the shank of the bit um, and okay. how a longer, shorter of either can affect the whole bit. Yes, it can because it affects your control. And here's the thing with the purchase being short. See, when you when you look at my leverage bits, everybody's like, well, that purchase is way too short. I need it longer. I need it longer. But what they don't understand, they need to look at the shank because if you look at a 45 degree shank, that shank is not straight. Yes, if you straighten that shank up to a 0, 10, or 25, you're going to get more control. Because the further you straighten that shank up, the faster that purchase is short, because it's only about 2 inches, and you've got a straight shank, you're going to get a lot. But here's where those bits go wrong. If you have a strong horse, that's good going into a turn. But if he gets a little sensitive on the backside and needs a little more snap, Here's where your straighter shanks, they tend to elevate horses on the backside. 
because a lot of people are are still holding on to that horse and they're trying to finish the turn. And what they're doing is they're getting in a horse's face and they're trying to move him away from it because they've got so much control. Whereas if you back that shank up like we do with our 45 or more, you get a more gag action. So when you go into a turn, you've got a quick reaction, meaning you can hold the horse's front end in up. You can get him floating past the turn and getting broke in the rib cage and rolling around that turn. When the when the bottom part of the shank that's rolled back, now when I'm asking him to come across the barrel and really roll back and really snap and go straight to the next turn, it smooths up and it doesn't get that horse elevated moving moving away from it rather than coming to me. Whereas the straighter shank tends to do that. So when would a combo bit come into play with what does that matter in the angle of the shank as well absolutely okay so when i put a combination bit on a horse i'm looking to square a horse up going back to the gray horse that i have this horse is kind of a real catty looking quarter horse he's tall he can just fold in half in a turn well what i have problems with him on the back side he won't come back straight he wants to come back with his head cocked and still have still have that nose and he he's he's rolling around but he's not coming back straight and having that explosive straightness to angle up to our next barrel so what i do on horses like that and horses that tend to want to lose their hip or their riders have got them a little out of control because they're riding the shoulders forward and they're not riding the hip is I'll put a band on it because the outside of that bit acts like a side pull and it kind of squares a horse up. You get a little bit more control with a nose band, but putting a combo on a horse, you shouldn't be putting a combo on a horse for control. You put a combo and put a nose band on a horse for to getting squared up in the turn. That, that was perfect. That made so much sense. Let's get into hackmores because I know that okay. is something that I am not educated about. So I'll let okay. you take that over. Go. Okay. <laughs> so hackamores on horses, you know, I prefer a bit. If all possible, it's a bit. But I've had horses and I, I end up running my horses usually like my older horses and either a combo or a hackamore. And I think the reason is, is because I had a lot of horses that were ex-race horses they are taught from the very beginning to push through the bit to go faster and to back off when you let out. And that's basically what we teach our horses as barrel horses. So you have that love-hate relationship anyway. You're always working at home to lighten them up. You go run them. You push them up through the bit. They get heavy. So it's a love-hate relationship anyway. And you find horses that just, they're like people. You know, they don't like wearing shoes. They want to wear flip-flops, even when it's 25 below zero. And because they just don't like stuff covered on their feet. And I think you run into horses like that that just, you have to think outside the box. And you have to go, okay, if this is what's going to make you comfortable to go win, then this is what we're going to do. So I had been on the search for hackamores and, um, we came out with our K2 Hackamore because my neighbor down the road, Candace Smith, she had an old one. The guy's probably dead that made it. 
um, and said, you need to look at this hackamore and showed it to me. And I said, you know what, that's going to work because I've been looking for one. So I had us, we made up a couple and I sent it to KK Rule, Donna K. Rule's daughter, who is on our sponsor team. And then I sent another one to a bunch of people. I've sent it to a couple people that weren't hackamore people, period. They just weren't. They told me they weren't. I said, I'm going to send this to you. I want you to try it. And all of the responses I got on that hackamore were absolutely amazing. Uh, Janet Staten has a fraternity horse that she's running on. Um, then Emily Eford, uh, she read a story that Janet did on that horse, or they had talked. She had a horse like hers. I sent her one. They love it. So it's a good all-around hackamore in that, I think, uh, it's light. It's very light for a horse's face. It has shanks that move independently. And the way the shanks are angled, it allows you to lift a horse up more than, I think, any other hackamore. Now, there's a lot of hackamores on the world, so if I make anybody that, I'm sorry. But I am biased by my own bits. I have used it on a couple horses. I haven't had one to run in. But it feels really nice in your hands, even if you just want to tune on your horse on one or just go ride them out in pasture. So that's kind of my take on hackamores. I prefer a bit, but, you know, as a trainer and a horse, a barrel racer, you've got to be willing to uh, adjust your thinking for your horses, meaning like you and every time I say I'm not going to do that or I'm never going to do that, a horse will humble me and go, well, maybe I ought to try that. (laughs) So I've learned not to ever say I won't do anything. So that's where the hackamores come into play. <laughs> Good. I know there's there's so many hackamores out there. And I've even used one of the old school, like, I don't know if it's like an old cowboy vaquero hackamore um, that I got, oh, I don't know, some horse fair many, many, many moons ago. Um, and it's like, and I, and I loved it. Sometimes when I just get on bareback, I'll throw that on and they are nice to have, but that's just one of those things that I'm, un, I'm very, un, uh, very uneducated about. Um, so that's well, I think you, you, you lose a lot of shoulder control. You, you, you lose a lot of rib control when you take that hackamore off, you stiffen a horse up. Um, and it's just, you know, it's something that's a give and take. I mean, you got to realize that you're giving up with a bit because you're not in a horse's mouth direct contact and you're on the side of their face. So you're going to give up some, you're not ever going to have what a bit can have. And, but if your horse is running smoother and quieter and you're getting faster times and he's comfortable in it, then you got to do it. You, you can't say, well, I'm just not going to ride a horse in a hackamore period. Um, that's, uh, that's the wrong way to think if you're a trainer or if you're a barrel racer. Well, let's get into some Facebook questions. I had an overabundance of questions coming through with people <laughs> okay. wanting to ask. So I sifted through them and picked out about three of them that I thought were really good that could, okay. could kind of cover a few things. Question one. She says, I have an off-the-track quarter horse that needs to take a step back. What would be a good bit suggestion to get them to get some training done at home? Well, you know, those horses that just come off the track, like I said before, they're into wanting to push into the bit instead of give off a pressure so the first thing you have to do is start working them to give off a pressure uh what i would do if that horse had just come to my house i'd throw one of our mojo bits on it with a large hexagon with a cricket and i would start working on that to getting them to understand and learn 
that when I ask, you're supposed to do a movement instead of push. Um, you don't want to do too much with a horse that's not used to it because all they've ever probably been rode around is a D racing gag, a D racing bit. That's it. Or you might even start with a ring snaffle and work your way up. Um, my favorite go-to bit was like a sliding gag, and I didn't even start them on curb pressure. Mine had a like a it was a coat hanger actually, or like a, a mine. I ended up buying a, one that had a steel like top and and it what it did was when you pulled on the horse it made them it gave gave them pole pressure so they learned to give in different directions so when i pulled that had pole pressure and they're like oh give and they learned that way through the bit rather than learning it through curb pressure but a lot of horses i'll start with a a leather curb anyway because i'm not a big believer in chain curbs um I like a leather curb chain to kind of give some stuff. Um, I don't like putting a chain curb on a horse first and foremost because you tend to scare them. And not a lot of people know how to use those chain curbs. So those are the three options that I would use on there. Well, I think you read my mind because my next question, <laughs> the girls, yeah, she yeah. says, I've always been taught to place two fingers under the curb chain to allow enough space under my horse's chin. Is that the correct way to measure a curb chain? Well, okay. So on a curb chain, here's my thoughts and it's going to go against what I've heard barrel racers say and barrel racers. And I just cringe when they say it, they go, they'll having problems the horse is getting super reactive and they think it's the curb chain or curb pressure in all actuality it turns out to be the bit is too big or too small for the horse that's what i found but here's what i say to people like that don't let the curb chain out because here's the deal where you have problems you will ruin your horse's confidence in that your curb chain needs to be pretty snug and the reason is is you want your bit to react quickly because in our when we're when we're dealing in milliseconds literally we want fast reaction if you loosen the curb up to two fingers what ends up happening is that whole bit loses its function that means that it feeds to that curb and doesn't stop till the end so the looser your curb is the slower your reaction is and then all of a sudden, this chain curb hits this horse, and his head comes up in the air, and the barrel race is over. So you want your chain, you want your curb to be snug, meaning you want to put one finger in there as at most. And and what I prefer rather than chain curbs, and no, I'm not against a chain curb. I use them because we can't find curbs long enough for our combos. And if we get one, it gets too tight. So we do chain curbs with our combos now um, because I can't find leather ones or regular flat chain curbs uh, that go on our combos. So what I tell people is, is make sure that it's snug. You want your bit to move like it's supposed to move on the gag, but you don't want it to move any further than that. You want it to stop and stop quickly because if you don't, and that has a whole deal, and you grab that horse, which we do when we get a lot of adrenaline running in a run, yep. that chain all of a sudden reaches up and bites those horses. And like I said, they shake their head, they throw their head up, and the barrel race is over. Which I have had ha- happen to me twice. Okay. And then I'm like, what is wrong with my horse? 
I think you stepped in a hole, something's wrong, you got to watch your video back over, and it all all came down to the fact that my curb chain was too loose. Yes, yes, and I have people, and I've sat behind them, and trust me, I've sat up in the stands a long time listening to barrel racer conversations, and this is one where I go, oh, I've got to get up because I'm about to say something. When the barrel racer, who's kind of in charge of the group, goes, just loosen your curb up. That'll help. That'll get him to quit doing that. I'm like, oh, God, no. Because the other one is loosen your reins up. You won't pull his face. Yeah. I'm like, no, that does not work. It'll make it worse. You know, and I have to get up and walk away because then they don't want my input. <laughs> I, I bet that's super hard. And same thing for me. Yes. I'm I'm a hairstylist, full-time hairdresser. Uh-huh. And yes. I, I look at people's hair, you know, I'm standing in line behind them at the grocery store going, well, their hairline's crooked. It's the same thing for you at barrel races. You start listening it to conversations, is. you're like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. Yes, yes. I had one lady was telling this girl while she was asking me, she was telling her, and this lady knew, you know, she rode a lot of horses. And she was telling her, well, just let the curb chain out. I said, oh, my God, that's the worst thing you could do. And I think I offended her a little. And I didn't mean to. But, you know, if you look at the functionality and how just move your bit around, there's so much play on a longer curb. There's so much play on it Mm -hmm. that you're going to get that bit feeding back to you quickly and there's no stop to it. So you just keep pulling because you're not getting a reaction. And the faster you pull, the faster that curb chain hits them. And it's just all of a sudden a surprise to horses. And most horses don't like surprise. Oh, no. Well, and I have gotten bits before in the past. And the cur- it's an all-metal all curb chain. And it is like eight inches long. I'm like, mm-hmm. are they putting yeah. these on Clydesdales? Jeez, yeah. Louise. And, and well, you, like, you can't cut it off. And then, yeah. you know, you got to double loop it. And it's chinging around. and ugh. Right. And it's just really long, and, and and most barrel racing bits come with chain curbs, but I see a lot of them that don't know how to use them or not educated to use them, um, and they're not educated how to, you know, make a bit fit, because every bit, you know, gag bits need to be higher in a horse's mouth. They almost need to have a smile. I see gag bits, like, hanging down in a horse's mouth, you know, down by their canines, Jeez. because people think, well, those bits are too... We don't need them that high in a horse's mouth. Well, you need a, a gag bit that slides a lot. You need it way up because the reaction time is too slow, mm-hmm. and you're already by the barrel, and you're already the barrel race is over. Now, when you have a bit like our leverage bit that doesn't have as much gag, you only want one wrinkle. So when you put our mojo bit on, you want that mojo bit to have two wrinkles and kind of a smile on your horse's face versus our leverage bit that doesn't have much gag. It's very it's very locked in there compared to the mojo bit. You want one wrinkle. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So, you know, you, you want to be sure and do your curb chain and set your bit right. It's so very important. And if you don't know or you are reluctant to know, you can always reach out. Yeah. And we tell people, you know, they say, is this right? And they'll send me pictures. And I'm good with that. I like, I like talking to our customers. I learn a lot from them. Yeah. Wonderful. Last question. How do I know what size of bit to buy for my horse? Okay, so that's kind of a a thing. We've tried to come out with some sort of measuring with a horse, but what we've resorted to, um, we tried a spoon, that distorted it because it made the horse's lips pooch out. (laughs) We tried a straw, that didn't work because half the horses wouldn't leave the straw in their mouth long enough to mark it. So what I've resorted to is have people call it, they, they look at pictures 
I look at pictures all day long of horses' mouths. And what I'm looking at is where the corners lay on a, on a mouthpiece. And, and what you want the corners of your horse's mouth to lay, you want them to lay right inside. There's usually a real smooth spot before the mouthpiece starts. You want the corners to lay at resting when you're not playing with the bit, when it's just sitting there, when a horse is being still. You want the corners of your mouth to lay right to the inside of where that bit ties in. You don't want to see the mouthpiece exposed, and you don't want the corners of a horse's mouth to be over where that bit ties in, where it moves up and down. And that brings to the next question about bit guards. I am against bit guards. Bit guards actually make it worse. When you put a bit guard on, what it does is it ends up making the mouthpiece even smaller. And I've seen the corners of a horse's mouth sucked into that bit guard, and it holds it there and pinches it worse to where it So there's going to be a lot of people that don't agree with that either. <laughs> It's my podcast. We can say whatever we want. Well, I have seen it with my own eyes happen. While a person was working their horse at my house, because I used to be pro-bit guard. Everywhere I went, every bit had bit guards. Until I watched a girl work a horse at my house with one of my bits with bit guards on, and I saw it happen. And it hung that horse's corners in in that bit guard. And so, if your bit fits, you don't need bit guards. Makes sense. So, anyway, and, and you know, to talk back about, you know, our guarantee and everything like that, um, you know, we want to find the right bits for horses. So, we're not out just, JNC Bits is not out to just sell bits. We're out to find the right bit for someone's horse. Because it does me no good or you any good that my bit is hanging in your trailer or on the bit auction. So when you buy a bit from us, I know there's a lot of horses that I can't get a hold of, so I can't put my hands on them. So what we do is they send me a couple of videos. I look at them. I suggest a bit. And it may not even work the way we want it to. It may not work because of the rider's hands. It may not work for the horse. They send me a video says, this doesn't work. This is not going to work for me. What do we need? So what I do is I have that person send me that bit back. We go with plan B. Until we find them the right bit, and it's no charge. Wow. That's wonderful. So we guarantee our bits 100%. Now, we've had people ruin the refund policy already, so I don't give refunds anymore. But I do trade those bits in if it don't work. And I even, even, as soon as, you know, I let people have a bit two or three weeks, sometimes longer because I get busy. And then I'll text them, hey, did you get your bit? What's your thoughts on it? And, and I find a lot of problems doing that way and help a lot of people. That's wonderful to hear because so often you do. You know, you, how many barrel racers have 10, 12, 30 bits hanging up in their yep. tack closet that they don't well, One time use? I think I added it up when I was training and riding probably 15 head of horses a day. I had $5,000 worth of bits in my trailer Ooh. hanging up. Wow. $5,000, and I'm sure there's trainers out there that ride way more horses that have more than that. I know if you ask Molly and Jolene, I've seen their bit wall. Yeah, and, <laughs> and when you need a certain tool to do a certain job, you got to go Absolutely. find it. Absolutely. So, you got to have that tool, yes. and that's what, we, that's what we're promoting. Yes, we are making money, but we, wanna, we want to promote an affordable tool that works for you and your horse 
with quality and comfort in mind and good communication. Yes. And we listen to our customers. If they say something, well, this ain't working right, this doesn't work right, you know, we'll listen and adjust to it. Well, I have to say that my brain bucket is overflowing with knowledge, and I cannot thank you for your time today. I cannot wait to go to the barn to to go try to measure my horse's mouth. (laughs) Okay, perfect. You know, at any time, and this is free, we don't charge for the consultation. You know, we want people to, to come to us, and we want people to send us videos and, and I want to help people. You know, that's my goal in life is to help people. Yes, I have to make money because that's how everybody survives and eats and puts a roof over their head. Mm-hmm. But I want to help people find things and educate them and share my knowledge. I don't want to charge for that knowledge. Um, and I've made some really, really good friends and contacts just in the bit business already. It's mm-hmm. been an enjoyable experience, to tell you the truth. And I really, it's my passion. I love it. Well, that's wonderful. And, you know, I always like to have people on the podcast that are changing the horse industry and making the world a better better place. And I have to say, I think that's you, Charlotte. Oh, you're so <laughs> sweet. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My, we try. My we pleasure. Try. Tell us where we can find you on social media and what's your website. Okay. Um, our website is J-A-N-D-C-Bits. Our Facebook page is J with the and sign C bits. Our Instagram page is J underscore C underscore bits. And then you can also call or text me at 254-592-2041. Great. And that's a number where they can text you videos and horses and everything. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to message me. Because sometimes if I look at a text message, oh, well, and I get scattered and I almost have a little bit of ADD. So if I don't answer you, please, hey, did you look at my videos? Because it does get lost in translation. We try to answer everything. But sometimes if I look at a message, sometimes I forget to go get back. You know, we have our tax business. And right now I'm on the way back from our BFA board meeting. So there's a lot of hats that I wear a day. So don't be afraid to say, hey, did you look at my videos that I sent a couple days ago? I'm like, oh, God, I totally forgot that. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> Squirrel brain. Got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also give back to barrel racing associations. We like giving back to barrel racing associations. Um, what I'm doing now, if you want awards, we give bid certificates. Whatever you buy in bid certificates for producers, we match. Oh, great. And boards. So if they spend $500 with JC Bits by bid certificates, we match that. I'll give them another $500 at no charge. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful thing to do. Because so often you have a lot of younger, um, you know, or even older groups of 4-H clubs, you uh-huh. know, little britches, and they don't have a lot of money in those funds. And so, so often you see clubs like that dissolving and it's hard for them to keep afloat. So that's wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, so they can they can contact me and I try to work with them and, you know, and send them stuff. And, you know, we do some benefits um, and stuff like that. You know, I had a lot of really good barrel producers last year really help me, um, really support us. And I'm, I'm continuing to give back, but I'm always looking for new opportunities and also, I'm just now starting this demonstration where I'm going to different barrel races and and doing bit demonstrations. 
which means like it's free for the people to come watch and observe uh, and listen to me talk and have me measure horses and and take orders there so if the barrel producers listen get in touch with us so maybe we can make opportunities i just talked to two one in minnesota that has a couple of real big barrel races and another one that runs the one in memphis um you know we can go down there a day or two and 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 we go to amarillo and and uh, i'm going to one down here for blake myers at money and beaches and it's free for their contestants to come and observe and and listen free education Mm-hmm. And free to measure your horse and everything. Just making the world, the, the horse industry, a better place because... We're trying. Yep. <laughs> yep. Check out what Charlotte and Jason have to offer on their beautiful website. That's jncbits.com, the letter J-A-N-D, the letter C, bits.com. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button on Spotify or wherever you're listening. By sharing on social media, it really helps others just like you find this podcast. See, I'm still considered a newer podcast in this giant sea of podcasters podcasting. So if you can help me out by sharing your favorite episode and tagging us in social media, that'd be awesome. The Barrel Horse Life Podcast is also on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to follow us and give us some likes. I post some pretty funny memes. Support for the Barrel Horse Life Podcast comes from Draw It Out. You can purchase their complete line of products at LonePrairiePHS.com. And from WOCO. To find out if you're a good fit for Jamie's program, head on over to her website at woe-co.com. That's W-H-O-A-A-C-O.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys down the road.